some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Hell on Hills podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. And welcome back to episode 102. We're old. We're ancient. This, yeah. I actually, I just farted dust. At least it wasn't glitter. Yeah, I would never get that out of my carpet. (laughs) That's not coming out of anything. (laughs) No, please do not let glitter come out of any orifice. Please and thank you. Are you sure? I'm positive. (laughs) What you should do, just, I'm just saying this to piss my dad off. You should just glitter bomb my dad. So what you're saying, uh, you were telling me that I should basically just drive to Utah and then fart on your dad's carpet. No, I was thinking more like you can pay someone to glitter bomb my dad. You can pay like a package to be delivered. That sounds safer. So, Dad, me. when you see a package that you're unfamiliar with, actually, no, don't do that because my mom will be the one to open it. Oh, uh, <laughs> don't do what that. What if I put mind. um like Bill enclosed? She'll will still she be still... the one to yeah. She'll still Dang. be the one to open it. Okay, we'll figure something else out. Hey, Dad, what's your work address? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get that there you go i figured it out yeah okay we got it so how have you been i'm good i'm eating yeah i that's why i was like how have you been because i noticed you took a bite so i tried to drag my sentence out but i don't know how to make that sentence any longer look cody and i (laughs) tried to finish cooking before we started recording it Mm -hmm. didn't work out that way the chicken took forever to cook Probably because we didn't use chicken breasts and we used more, we used chicken thighs and more than what we needed. So chicken thighs are so much better. They're not healthier, but they're better. Eh, They're they're not healthier, but I'm happier. So who's the real winner here? Fair. Very fair. And if it makes you you feel any better, um, the chicken that I put in the crock pot also took forever to cook because I didn't plug it in. Uh, yeah. So I just threw it away. Yeah, I heard that rumor. I'm still mad about it. That sucks. I don't know how you didn't notice it wasn't smelling divine in your house. I have, because uh, toddler, she just, everything stinks all the time. You don't sneak sniffs of your uh, crock pot dinners? Sometimes. Um. Anyways, I'm okay. I'm doing okay. Um. I'll be honest, I made Amanda and I skip last weekend for recording because my anxiety levels were a little bit through the roof because I had mm-hmm. to do a test I did not want to do. <laughs> I feel you on that. I hope I never have to do one again. It was a uterine biopsy. So Every all... woman listening just crossed her legs. Every one of them just went, okay, mm-hmm. never mind. And yep. if you're wondering, the pain management they initially expect you to go with, uh, Tylenol and ibuprofen. Didn't cut it first time for me, so I made them give me something stronger. They did. They gave me Valium and Tramadol. And then I was a little bit, I don't want to be like loopy, but I was feeling pretty good when I went in and got my inside scraped. It still wasn't a pleasant experience, but it was better than the first time. I just want to take this moment to say that women's health care is bullshit. Oh, for sure. Like I think we were having this conversation at work not too long ago. How just what I don't know. I'm so tired of hearing OBGYNs tell me, "Oh, you'll it'll be slightly uncomfortable," and then I'm crying. Just a little bullshit. 
bullshit. I'm tired of it. Let's just, can we just do away with that? Please stop lying. It's Everybody stop lying. It, it's bullshit. They did mm -hmm. not tell me it would be, first of all, I think they knew that I was not going to buy that it was going to be a little pinch. Um, <laughs> I believe they said some intense discomfort, you think? <laughs> so I spent um, 15 seconds just like biting my fucking finger, dying. And then I went home and I slept for basically the entire day. It was really great. <laughs> that sounds wonderful, honestly. And I did take the day off when I had to do that procedure because mm -hmm. being the responsible person I am, I didn't know how I would react to Valium. So, so I Apparently. made the decision to um, to just not work that day. Which was apparently a good decision being as how you just caught up on sleep. Oh, I was like, I probably slept 16 hours total because <laughs> we went to the appointment, which was like first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. We went home and then I slept until like one ish. Oh, that's nice. And that's because I had an alarm on. I would have slept longer, but I had an alarm on to wake me up at one. And then I made Cody drive. Oh, by the way, I tried to do eyelashes again, the phony baloney ones. Yeah. Um, the lady that does them has like a new system she's trying where supposedly eight out of 10 people that have previously had a reaction no longer had a reaction. Surprise, surprise, I had a reaction. Of course, so you would be the two. Yeah. So I had to go get them removed. Um, and then I came home and slept again. So Yeah, that sounds like a really uh productive day. It was really nice. I just I slept and slept and slept. Um, but yeah, so that was that was my I guess my week. I don't know, that's the highlight of whatever's going on. That's the high your <laughs> highlight of the week is the low light of your week. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. I just I need to know. All I know is you know what the highlight is that it's over. That's done. No, okay. There should be no reason that they're gonna make me do that again. That makes okay, I'm with you now. Yeah. So highlight, it's done, it's over with. And then I slept. It was great. How are you? I'm pretty good. We didn't do much. No, oh, no, that's not true. We did go to the fair. Um, the Jeez. fair is expensive. Oh, for sure. Like, way more expensive. Than, we spent 60 no, like $70 just on food. Oh, for sure. Easy. It was really good food. But, I mean, that's like, eh, it's like we went out to eat, basically. Mm -hmm. but. Speaking yeah. of fairs, I think I kind of blew Amanda's mind when I told her we had two fairs the same weekend. Labor yeah, I'm, weekend. I'm just jealous. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe this is just Utah. Maybe we've talked about this before. I don't remember. Um, but Utah has like a fair basically every weekend in the summer and each city just takes a weekend. Yeah, that just sounds magical. I think we talked about this last time. We and have. I still just. What? What? Yeah, it's just <laughs> summer in Utah. What do you mean, what? I've just never heard of that. We have fairs, like, now, because, you know, every county has a, a fair, and then you have the state fair. and we'll, we'll also do the county fair and the state fair, too. We just go all the way down to the city. We do city level. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I took, oh, my God. I don't have them up. I for, almost forgot. I'm going to have to post pictures. I did buy the most incredible things. First of all, I did a little shopping spree, unintentional shopping spree, because fair number one, 
was like a true like it was mostly markets right just like Mm -hmm. small markets and I found something that I really wanted and it was gonna make me happy and it's gonna go on the wall behind me Um, perfect I think I'm gonna rearrange and put my work desk over there and then put those up above my work anyways point is Mm -hmm. is one of them shows like Sasquatch walking in kind of like a scenic Mm -hmm. area and then the other is just like the arches in Utah which I had explained to Amanda and then the last one is just an alien like they're the most beautiful things I'll try to remember to do a picture but they're beautiful they're wonderful um and then I also went and got some Halloween decorations as well so it was a really productive weekend <laughs> last weekend, the holiday. Though I will say, I almost forgot to tell you, I pissed Maisie right the fuck off. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I left her five days in a row. Literally, how dare you? Uh, the worst, right? And you got her groomed. I did get her groomed. She was not thrilled about that. <laughs> not one bit. So she decided to do this really cute little thing. Um, and she started peeing in the house in protest. Oh, no. I can tell you now it was in protest because it stopped since I've been home. That little butt. Oh, yeah. So she's been in trouble. And she's also been more clingy than normal. It's been a fun week. That, honestly, that poor dog. That poor neglected dog. So neglected. She's so neglected. Not like I bought her chicken nuggets today. She's so neglected. <laughs> Meanwhile, my dog's over here chewing his own nails. I can hear it. It makes a very specific sound and I hate it. But last time I took him to the vet, they were like, do you want us to trim his nails? I'm like, just don't even worry about it. It doesn't matter if they're long, if they're short. I think he anxiety chews them. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So just don't even worry about it. They're going to be destroyed regardless. Maybe I should get him acrylics because that's how I stopped biting my own nails. Do it. Well, you have, you can get the little rubber ones. The little caps. Yeah. Well, I then just, I'm worried he'll swallow it. Well, that's a shame problem. But I just realized I have an unexpected guest laying in here with me. Oh. That's the Benz. He's not normally in here with me. I'm going to take it. Why do they lay like one's head is in direct fart path? <laughs> and then. <laughs> They do like extra fart path to me. So it's like if Ben's farts, Bentley's going to fart and it's all <laughs> angled towards me. So. And Maisie's the only smart one. She is not in here. Ah, okay. Anyways, <laughs> you had everything. I think you covered. Did you have anything else to cover? No, no, that was pretty much it. We went to the fair. We ate because Annie's still too short to ride any of the rides. So. She walked. We just. Yeah, we let her do the little the little game where you pick up the ducks out of the water. I saw that, yeah. And yeah. I thought for a second, I was like, well, that's kind of a cheapskate fair. Where's the like thing over it to shade it? But then I was like, whatever, it's not my fault. Oh, there was a thing over it to shade it. Like oh, it, it, was it was like under a tent. Oh, it looked, maybe I'm thinking of a different picture, but it looked like it was directly in the sun. It might have been, I think we were in the shade then, but after we left, like after she picked out her toy and left and I tried to get a picture of it, James just kept walking and I'm like, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to, so yeah. Trying to get memories. Right? Men just don't understand. I don't get it. Yeah, it was fun. We ate and we walked a lot. Yeah. That's what fairs are about, right? I mean, yeah. 
if you've got the vendors there, it's always fun to see what mm -hmm. they do. So. Oh, she did have, uh, she had art on display because her daycare did, they, like every child did some art and they put it on display. So she got a little ribbon since her art was on display. It was not a first, second or third place. It was a, a participation <laughs> ribbon, <laughs> but she got a ribbon and it was cute. So we got a picture. That was the picture of her. We were desperately trying to get her to point or acknowledge the picture at all. And she was focused on the fan two feet away. I don't remember all of them. I'm going to be honest. Mm -hmm. When I look at pictures from stories, I click really fast through. <laughs> I, okay. Yeah, I do that too. So. All right. Anything else before we, we start jumping into things? Uh. Not that I can think of. No, I think right. I think we covered it. All right, well, I think we can right. stop talking and then start talking. Okay, well then, if you can shut the fuck up, I can talk I'll about work what on we it. need to. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. But we do, not kidding, but we do, I'm confusing myself. This part I'm not kidding about. We do post pictures on Instagram, X, and Facebook, so you guys can look those up. Facebook and Instagram are Hell on Heels Podcast. X is Hell on Heels Pod. Um, we have our link tree up and going. So if you're having issues finding any of the things. So if you're having trouble finding any of those three things, our link trees up. If you just Google Hell on Heels Podcast link tree, should be the first thing that comes up. Or if you get to our Instagram, it's linked there or any of the places. Our Discord is up and going. Our Patreon's up and going. We've, we're working on getting specials out. Right now it's mostly game nights. Um... If you guys are loyal listeners, we just want to remind you to tell your friends, family, frenemies, whoever to listen as well, just so you guys now have common ground and you guys can talk shit about us like what we do on a daily basis. Or if you want to talk shit about Dash, you can just tell us what to say about Dash and I will relay those messages to my father. Multiple times. A day. Every yeah. day. Mm -hmm. All of that's up and going. If you have any story suggestions, ideas, stories of your own. Whatever it might be, you guys can email us, hellonheelspodcast at gmail.com. So before we forget, this episode is also the Indigenous Peoples Day. Uh, we wanted to just take a second to honor the sovereignty, resilience, and immense contributions that Native Americans have made to the world. I know we've covered a couple of um, paranormal contributions specifically. We tried at least. <laughs> yeah, I tried. Look, their cultures, like, that's so fascinating. Like, in a good way. Mm -hmm. Like, it's beautiful. Like, their cultures, how they live, um, their beliefs. Like, it's so beautiful. So, we just wanted to take a second and honor uh, anyone that is of, you know, the ind indigenous Americas, American. Um, and just, you know, celebrate your day. You go. Go team go. I think we might be ready for a story. Okay, sorry, I was googling a city. Um, oh, okay, Amanda's now ready. Now I'm ready. Y'all might have been ready, but now I'm ready. So I'm just here. My story's later, so I'm gonna shut the fuck up now. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, spoiler alert: my story is unsolved. So what's up with you and unsolved stories? You cannibalism and unsolved stories. <laughs> it's a disappearance, and. Okay, that that felt <laughs> unnecessary. You guys didn't see, but I kind of uh, mocked, mocked the shit out of me. 
complete with <laughs> facial. What's the word? Facial face faces. I don't know. Facial expressions. Thank you. There it is. Facial expressions and complete everything. With a face is what she's saying. I did the mocking complete with a face. Yes. <laughs> boy, oh boy. My story this week is about the disappearance of Lars Joachim Matonk. Have you ever heard of him? Joachim Matonk? No, I have not. He is apparently kind of touted as the most famous disappearance on the internet. Because the video, like the CCTV footage of his last known location, his last known whereabouts, is pretty pretty famous, pretty infamous, I guess, on YouTube. But we'll watch that later. So Lars Matonk, he was born on the 9th of February in 1986. He grew up in Itzehoe, Schleswig-Holstein, Germany. Itzehoe. I know, right? Itzehoe, yeah. Sorry, Itzehoe Germany. That's great. Uh, yeah, Matonk. What? Lars Joachim Matonk? Joachim Matonk. Yeah, grew up in Itzehoe. <laughs> okay. Um, he was athletic. He liked fishing and diving. He was popular. He was handsome. There are many pictures. He was a good-looking man. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, he's not, he's not um, hard to look at. Mm-mm. His friends said that he had a lust for life, and he was the life of the party. He had a lust for life. Okay. Mm-hmm. After high school, he trained to become a precision engineer. So it feels like he's rather intelligent as well. A precision engineer? Mm-hmm. What's that? I Googled it. I don't know. It's a price size engineer. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, he, he used this knowledge to be hired at, another word I didn't Google, um, to be hired at GDF Sways Power Plant. I don't know if that's right. In 2007 in Williamshaven, Germany. And he he fixed problems there that arose on smaller electrical machines. And everybody that knew him said he loved his job there. He loved what he did. And he was lucky to have a job that he enjoyed doing. The only other thing he loved more than his job was soccer. And by soccer, I mean... Football? Yes, football. Um, he specifically liked the Werder Bremen team. That was his team. Loved his green and whites. In 2012, Lars's dad suffered a stroke. And so his mother, Lars's mother, Sandra Mittonk, she took care of his dad because he was left pretty significantly debilitated. And this, understandably, took quite a toll on his mom as well. So Lars took time off work to help his mom. And when he started going back to work, he would make the two and a half hour drive home every weekend to help her take care of his dad. That's a long drive, but that's a dedicated kid. Yes, that was, and he was their only son. He was dedicated to his family. In 2014, a group of his friends were planning a trip to the Golden Sands in Bulgaria. And they invited Lars along. He had been working all week, helping his family on the weekend. So a boy's trip kind of sounded fun to him. And 
his mom encouraged him to go along on this trip and have some fun with his friends as well. So Lars decided to go to the Golden Sands. I had never heard of the Golden Sands, but apparently it's a really popular tourist destination in Bulgaria. And it draws people from all across Europe. It's the largest seaside town nestled on the Bulgarian Black Sea coast. And it's in the larger city of Varna. I just thought this was interesting. Apparently outlaws used it as a hideaway in the days of the Ottoman Empire. Empire? Empire? It's, yeah, uh, the the Southern came out. I'm sorry. In the days of the Ottoman Empire. The Ottoman Empire. <laughs> yeah, because it's a baseball game, actually. <laughs> <laughs> this is one twisted game of baseball, I get the feeling. In the 1950s, resorts started popping up. And now this place is a, this place is a party. There are villas, apartments, resorts, spas, restaurants, clubs. Um, the Contemporary Chapel of John the Baptist, if that's your thing. There's a yacht marina, a water park, horseback riding, golf courses. And a lot of the hotels and resorts here offer all-inclusive vacations. So, like, the place to go. Right. You've got all the stuff. Oh, yes. You do have all the stuff. I saw a couple of sources compare this place to Ibiza. Or, like, in the U.S., we have, like, Daytona Beach, Panama City, Miami Beach, any beach in Florida during the summer. Apparently, the Golden Sands was, like, Europe's spring break hotspot. So, it was really popular with the younger crowd. They had cheap alcohol, like I said, all-inclusive hotels and resorts, um, drugs, beach parties, loud music, you name it. It's in the Golden Sands. Lars went with, I know two of his friends were mentioned multiple times, Tim Schult and Paul Roman. Some sources stated that there were five friends in all, but I know for sure that these two friends were there. They were named. They got to Bulgaria on June 30th, 2014, and they stayed in an upscale resort called Hotel HVD Viva. It was right on the beach. Their food and drinks were included in their stay. And they did mention, his friends mentioned that they thought it was odd that Lars didn't really seem to eat much. They said it, it, it was like he just didn't have an appetite. He never ate breakfast. When they did eat for lunch or dinner, he only had like a small soup or a small plate of salad or maybe some fruit. Some of the sources I read stated that he had recently started eating healthier. So that could be why he just wasn't going all out. I know if I'm staying at a resort where my food is paid for, I am balls to the wall. Like, uh, Sorry, screw that diet. I'm going all in. Exactly. I'm on vacation. The diet can resume later. Like, give me but all of the everything. Even at that, if he's eating really small portions, like, that's still not necessarily super healthy in the sense like he still has to eat what his body needs like he still needs to eat protein and all the stuff right so, and even if you're filling up on salads and stuff like a small salad to me still sounds strange 
on Saturday night, July 5th. So they this is the fifth night, fifth, sixth night they were here. Because math. Um, on July 5th, the guys went to a local bar called the Rock Bar. And this was a pretty busy bar. It was right on the beach. Their happy hour lasts from 12 p.m. to 7 p.m. That's a damn good happy hour. That's what I'm saying. That's a happy half day. That, that That's a happy, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Woo. Uh, they also said they, they're, they, what? Oh, my God. They also offer live music at the venue. So it's really popular, really busy bar. But this night, Lars and his friends went there to catch the soccer game. And it aired at about 11 p.m. in Bulgaria. Lars ended up upsetting a group of tourists that were also from Germany because they were friends of a rival team. The situation escalated a little bit. His friends said that, I mean, they might have gotten a little loud, but they wouldn't necessarily call it an altercation because it ended without a fight. It never came to blows. And multiple sources said that they actually ended up laughing it off. So it kind of seems like Lars might have went a little too hard and his friends say might have accidentally offended the other group, but was able to be like, hey, you know, it's hey, my bad. This Maybe this is just me because I am not a sporty gal here. I don't understand why people get upset about anything with sports teams. Like, if someone else doesn't like your sports team, boo-hoo. Like, I guess my point is why would it even lead to them getting angry about what if i said that book sucks i tell you you haven't read it you're wrong (laughs) what if i I did read it though and i'm like that book sucks and your opinion is trash for liking it sounds like a you problem (laughs) i'll read this book all day long give me your copy don't worry about it (laughs) i'll take good care of it i love that you even point like my bookshelf is empty it is yeah you must have gotten your other one i do it's in the living room though Sorry. I was trying to help you relate, but I don't know. That's all I got. Plus also booze. Well, I mean, even, okay, I guess the booze play into it, but also I still don't understand how people get angry with booze in them. Like for me, it's just like, okay. I mean, too much booze and too much like, you know, your healthy shit talking. It's going to be too slurred for you to know what the hell I'm saying anyways. Yeah, but drunk understands drunk. Does it? It. I think. I don't think so. I think so. I don't know. I haven't been drunk in a long time. I have not been drunk either, aside from, and even that wasn't drunk when I, last episode. Oh, wait, guys have testosterone too. Maybe that's what we're missing. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, guys, is that what it is? Dad, you're a sports fan. Let us know why you get so angry about other sports teams or fans. Or yeah. whatever. Because when I watch sports, I don't get angry at other fans. I might get angry at the TV, but that's their fault. They're playing. I don't even get angry at them. Sucks to be them if they can't play correctly to win. I mean, I couldn't do it, so I don't <laughs> stay angry long. If I'm like, what? You couldn't kick that 75-yard field goal? Like, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. We relate on that. <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> Whatever happened that night, apparently it was, it was squashed. Like, it's cool. Everybody's fine. 
they left the bar at 4 a.m. So they had a very good night. And on the way back to the hotel, they stopped at a McDonald's. Tim and Paul went up to order while Lars waited a few feet away because, again, he did not eat. And this McDonald's, it wasn't a restaurant. It was it was described as an open-air McDonald's. So it's kind of like a Koisk in the mall um, or like a food stall at the fair. Yeah, you know, the Koisks. A kiosk? Isn't that the same thing? Koisk is K-O-I-S-K. Kiosk is K-I-O-S-K. Okay, I didn't say it was spelled the same way, but isn't it like... Okay, hold on. I don't know. I've never heard the term koisk. It's a kiosk, isn't it? Uh, koisk, a small open-fronted hut or cubicle. How is this spelled? K-I-O-S-K. That's kiosk. Kiosk. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell am I saying? Oh, boy. I don't know. A koisk? I don't know what that is. It's a kiosk. Wow. <laughs> is that what James calls them? I don't know what he calls them. I really don't know where I heard this from. So I assume it's something I grew up with. Is this like the whole uh, your knuckle from here to here, your finger is not an inch? I guess so, because now that you say that, I'm even looking at the word and koisk does not make sense because I'm switching the O and the I. That's what I was trying to say. I was like, what are you, what? Kiosk. Okay, so this kiosk. (laughs) (laughs) It's cool. I'm only 33 and went to college for English. So (laughs) it was koisk. (laughs) I love you. Hold on. This is my favorite. Um, so yes, the McDonald's was not a full-scale restaurant, but more of like a kiosk. So I'm picturing uh, like a tiny checkers or a food stall, like at the fair, something like that. When Tim and Paul got their food, they turn around and Lars is just gone. No idea where he went. They kind of looked around for him, couldn't find him. And I mean, they're... They went back to the hotel. They're thinking like, okay, he's a grown ass man. Maybe he met a girl, went back with her. You know, maybe he went to another bar, continued partying. Having a little fun. Yeah. They're on vacay. Maybe he's partying all night. I don't know. A little hanky panky. It's fine. Yeah. Just be safe about it. I don't know. Not your mom. Uh, So eventually they go back to the room. And Lars was not at the room either. I would be pan- panicking, but like I said, these are grown men. It's different than like if you go out with your girlfriends and one of them disappears and doesn't show back up. Um, but his friends, I mean, they're drunk. They were partying all night. Now they're full. They've eaten. They end up going to sleep. And when they wake up the next morning, Lars was there. So they're like, bro, what the hell? And Lars told them that he had gotten into a fight that night. Okay. He said it was some local, either Bulgarian or Russian-speaking men. Lars believed that they had been hired by the group that he got into a fight with at the bar. Or into an argument with, I should say, at the bar. Did he say why he believed that? Some sources said that... Lars might have overheard one of the guys say, like, it's really easy 
to hire someone to beat someone up in Bulgaria or something along those lines. From what I could find, the friends did not hear that. But the friends said that they did not believe him because he he seemed fine. He, he didn't have any bruises, scuffles, no black eyes. Like, he just didn't look like he had been in a fight. He didn't look like he was roughed up. Perfect, yes. Lars did say that one of the men had taken a swing at him. He ducked to dodge it, and the man had hit him in the side of the head instead. And he said that his ear was hurting like hell, and he had some hearing loss. Regardless of this, Lars said he, he just wanted to enjoy. They had like two nights left. He just wanted to enjoy the rest of the vacation. Maybe he's thinking... You know, like, yeah, I got hit in the ear. Of course, it's going to hurt. Maybe it'll go away. So that's what they did. The next two nights, they enjoyed the pool, played soccer on the beach, probably went out to some more bars, and just enjoyed what vacation they had left. Okay, that's fair. When it's time to go home on July 7th, Lars was apprehensive because he was his ear was still hurting. And he was worried that flying would cause further damage if he had done something to his ear. They had travel insurance. So one of his friends suggested that he went to see a doctor. I think that's fair. Lars did. I guess he's like, you know what, that's a good idea. He went to see a general practitioner. And this doctor told him that he had a ruptured eardrum, hence the pain and the hearing loss. He recommended that he not fly. And he referred him to a specialist. I'm not a doctor, but a ton of sources. And from what I could find, you can fly with a ruptured eardrum. If anything, it would make it easier because of it wouldn't put as much pressure on your eardrum. That does not make sense to me. Less pressure up above? On a ruptured eardrum? I don't, I have no idea. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, but like I said, I'm not a doctor. so. I'm just telling you what I've read. Some people said that, yeah, you can fly with a ruptured eardrum. Other people said it's probably not a great idea. Lars was told not to fly. And if I had a doctor telling me, hey, don't fly, I'm not flying. It kind of put Lars's friends between a rock and a hard place because their flight was already booked. They didn't want to leave him alone and they offered to stay with him. But Lars did not want them to stay behind. He was worried Basically, he didn't want to put them in a bind. He was worried about them staying behind with their personal lives back at home, their professional lives. He didn't want to potentially get them in trouble with their jobs. And I can see all of this. He does eventually convince them to go home. He said he'd be, he would be fine. He'd see the specialist and then he'd fly home. Could he have, so they're from Germany. They went to Bulgaria. Mm-hmm. He could have driven, potentially, right? Yes, it's a long train. drive. I believe train. it was... I don't know about... I didn't look at a train. But um, it does come up later. His mom eventually buys him a bus ticket. And I think it was 35 to 40 hours driving. But not impossible. His friends do end up catching their flight, and they go home that day. After his friends go to catch their flight, Lars makes his way to Varna. and. He sees a he sees a specialist who recommended surgery to repair the membrane in his ear. I kind of feel him on this because Lars preferred to go home 
and have the surgery in Germany. Mm -hmm. uh, that sounds completely rational to me. Yeah, I agree. So the doctor, since he was like, no, 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 you know, I want to go home and have it there. The doctor wrote him a prescription for Cefzil 500. And what it, Cefzil is an antibiotic, 500 milligrams is the highest dose that you could take. And the doctor gave this to him to prevent a ear infection. Mm -hmm. So after leaving the specialist, Lars went to a pharmacy. He filled his prescription. He went back to Hotel Viva and he packed up and checked out. He went to Varna and checked into Hotel Color. And nobody knows why he chose this hotel or why he left. If it's peak vacation season, a lot of people speculate that he was in like this high-end hotel. It's possible that they were fully booked and he couldn't just extend his extend. Stay. Yeah. Especially if he's like popular hotel right on the beach, all inclusive. That make that the, sounds the like fair. Yeah. So the problem with Hotel Color, I Googled this hotel, this Hotel Color Varna, and it had a pretty good star rating on multiple travel websites and even on Google reviews. But if you go into the reviews, this hotel is disgusting. It's dirty. There are shady people that come and go all hours of the night. Reviews specifically mentioned drug dealers and sex workers. It was in a bad neighborhood. The employees were rude. Um, but also there were some reviews sprinkled in that it was great and people had a great time. The place cost 33 American dollars a night. That kind of makes me wonder how good it could possibly be. This is when I looked it up right now in July in America. Sounds like pricing of a hostel. It, yeah. Of. I need to make sure one of these days I tell you the story about how my mom booked my grandpa to stay at a hostel. Yeah, you absolutely <laughs> have to tell me that story. What? I need a um, sticky note. Hold on. I'll tell you after your story. I'm sorry. Where are my sticky notes? Oh, Jack put them in the Altoid box. So I did see that it was pretty close to multiple forms of transportation. The airport was only 3.3 miles away. The railway was point. Oh, eight miles away and there was a bus station 14 miles away so people think okay this was really close to the airport and the rail railway uh lars's mother sandra she said that the cab driver has suggested this hotel to him and brought him there um a lot of a lot of the following information i did get from sandra uh lars stayed in contact with his mom throughout the trip but especially towards the end, it seemed, after his friends went home, he contacted her a lot. And Sandra was already worried about her son because he was alone. He was in a foreign country and he's injured and she's a mother. So this is right. just, I, I can't imagine what this woman's going through. So when she found out uh, everything that was going on, like the situation he's in right now, she bought him a plane ticket and a bus ticket. To be able to get home. And she figured that way. You know regardless of what the doctor said. He had a way to get home. Uh, Lars ended up. Not even staying in the hotel. For the full night. That he booked it. He called his mom in the middle of the night. And asked her to turn off his credit card. Because he was worried. When he checked in the worker at the desk. Had allegedly photocopied his credit card info. 
And Large thought this was really strange. So he asked his mom to freeze it and he would unfreeze his card when he got back home. You just replace that card at that point. Yeah, turn it off. Honestly, like I don't even want it frozen. Turn it off. Order me a replacement. Yes, it's compromised. Get rid of it. He ended up leaving the hotel and going to the airport late at night. When he after he checked out, he just went to the airport. But on his way to the airport, he called his mom again and told her that four men on the street were following him, and he was hiding from them. Don't don't love that. Uh uh-uh. uh and like. I mean, he was in a pretty uh, sketchy part of town. Was he walking? It wasn't. It wasn't said in sources. So, unfortunately, <clears throat> a lot of sources suck. <laughs> I mean, for lack of better words, I tried to go off of interviews with his mom because the Bulgarian police have never released uh, much info on this case. So we don't have much to go on, which is frustrating, but it is still an open case, too. I guess my question, because if he's hiding, like, if he's in a sketchy part of town, Mm -hmm. wouldn't he have been able to maybe, like, hey, I'm going to call a cab, but I guess maybe he didn't have money for a cab or a taxi of some sort. Um, I guess maybe that could have been an issue, and now his credit card is frozen. I don't know. It just seems weird to walk in a part of town that maybe isn't so great, and you can normally tell. In the middle of the night. Right. Especially when you're unfamiliar. Again, this is coming from a woman's perspective, not a man's mm-hmm. perspective. I maintain, though, he probably shouldn't have been walking alone at night. Well, I'm glad you're on the right track, though, because that actually leads me to my next bullet. Um, a couple of sources stated that a taxi driver reported a young man, allegedly Lars, desperately trying to wave him down. The driver already had a fare, so he wasn't going to stop. But the the person in the car, the fare, uh, was actually a social worker. Specifically, both the driver and the social worker felt that Lars's movements were urgent, so they agreed. Like, hey, just just stop and pick him up. Once he was in the car, Lars was really thankful, very appreciative to the driver for stopping, and asked to be taken to the airport. And later on, the social worker that was in the car and the driver would say his eyes were noticeably dilated. And a lot of people attribute this to Lars being on drugs of some sort. But quick Google search. um, Brain injuries, medications, being prescriptions and over-the-counter antihistamines or decongestants. Even stress, especially the fight-or-flight response. And sexual attraction can all cause your pupils to dilate. Yeah, I was going to say, couldn't like the adrenaline of people following him have caused mm-hmm. that too? Yes. Like your body, bodies are crazy, guys. Like the human anatomy is insane what your body does in just different situations. Mm-hmm. So, And that's that's why I wanted to, to list that because I don't necessarily believe that. Like, do I think he was sexually attracted to the, the taxi driver? No. But, like, I wanted to point out, there is a ton of reasons our eyes will dilate. Oh, my God. Especially, like you said, if he's being chased by four men, I feel like that would trigger a fight-or-flight response. And it would also explain his urgent movements to, hey, there's a taxi. Please, God, stop. Right. 
along and I, I don't know any of the story but like along yes drugs could also cause that but it's not mm-hmm. always the case yeah once at the airport laws called lars called sandra back and said that he had made it to the airport now sandra she stated she thought this was a weird way to word it i don't see anything strange with it personally just like if i'm stuck in traffic or if i'm running late I can see myself calling somebody and being like, oh, my God, I finally made it to the airport. But she has a lot of backstory we don't have, too. Yeah, I was going to say maybe it's an American thing saying I made it to this des- the destination because that mm-hmm. didn't seem weird to me. Yeah, she said normally she would expect him to say something like, hey, I'm at the airport. Instead of I made it to it just it's one of those things that like stood out to her, but. I mean, if he's also calling her saying he's being followed. Yeah. That makes still sense where it's like I made it to the airport without Mm -hmm. any injuries or. Yeah, I could see how that would stand out to her. But also at this point, she might already think like everything seems off because now he's saying like, you know, he's already told her like his ear injury. She's already Mm -hmm. worried about that. And now he's calling her in the middle of the night and is like, "Uh, I'm being followed by four men. Yeah. Uh, and he doesn't have a credit card. Right. Like, all he has on him right now is supposedly the cash that he might have had left. Right. Lars asked his mom to send him 500 euros through Western Union since they had turned off his credit card. And during the call, she was like, yeah, of course, I can send you 500 euros. Um, but she asked him to get checked by the airport doctor and make sure that it was okay to fly. Did you know airports had doctors? I was just about to ask, there's an airport doctor? Like, I know there's, like, an emergency response teams, but... Right, like, it it makes sense. Like, there has to be someone there, but I I don't know if that's, like, a different country thing, or... Do all hospitals, or not hospitals, yeah, I hope all hospitals have doctors. I hope, yeah, good lord. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I know they have to have somebody, but I didn't know they had an actual doctor. I guess it says, so... If you need some medical care, this is coming from veinmag.com. Don't know anything about them. But it says, if you need medical care on the fly, you may be able to see emergency physicians, occupational medicine physicians, uh, nurse practitioners, and radiology technicians during your next layover. So that's a pretty good setup. Holy crap, yeah. Especially hearing about, like, radiologies. Yeah, I was not expecting that to be in there. But it makes sense somebody would need to be at an airport to check you out. But... I didn't know they would be that prepared, I guess. It doesn't say necessarily all, though. Mm-hmm. It says in some major airports in North America. Well, that makes sense. Like, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect the smaller airports to, to be able to pay for them, honestly. Like I said, I just assume, like, emergency personnel, like EMT mm-hmm. type. Right. That's what I was thinking. But, okay, I'm so apparently... Radiologist, but... Apparently it's a thing. It's, it can happen. Uh, during the call, I already said that, uh, airport doctor. So the doctor checked his ear and took his temperature. He tried to give him more pills, but Lars flat out refused. And his mom did say in an interview that he already had doubts about the CFC 500 and didn't want to take anything else. Some sources also stated that at some point the night before, he had texted his mom what is Cefzil 500 or what is CFC 500? Basically, he had texted her, what is this medicine that what I'm taking? I taking? Yes. And that's hard too, especially if there's 
language barriers, you know, Mm -hmm. like if the doctor is trying to communicate and maybe they're not like, I assume they spoke German, but maybe they're not completely fluent or or rusty or whatever it may be. That's got to be hard. And that was another thing I didn't put in here because it was another thing that sources varied on. But some some sources stated that the first doctor he saw, some sources stated that it was the specialist that he saw was not great and refused to speak to Lars in English. So there was a, a language barrier Wait, there. Was he English speaking or German speaking? He spoke both, which I think is common in a lot of European countries to at least know the basics of English. Well, yeah, I just, if mm-hmm. he refused to speak English, would he... Oh, maybe he only knew. Yeah, like the doctor. Much. Maybe yeah. the doctor knew. I, I don't know. But he did say, like, he apparently was not a fan of how he was treated at... I saw more sources say it was the specialist. Okay. Um, his mother also said that he had signed a waiver to fly of his own responsibility. Now, according to the doctor, Lars did reject the pills that he tried to prescribe him. And he also said at one point that he heard Lars mutter to himself, I don't want to die here. I have to get out of here. That's a little bit dramatic. Mm-hmm. At one point, CCTV footage caught a glimpse of a man in a uniform entering the room where Lars was talking to the doctor. Now, the doctor claims that this man was a construction worker who was working at the airport. And he, the doctor, the doctor said that when Lars had first come into the room throughout him talking to him. Lars had been nervous and fidgety. But when this airport worker came in, Lars became agitated. And the doctor tried to explain to him, hey, he works here. They're doing construction on the building. This is normal. Normal for a construction worker to just walk on into an exam room? Right. That doesn't feel normal anywhere. Like, even nurses knock before they just walk into an exam room. Maybe this is just because, you know, America, I I don't know which countries follow HIPAA privacy Mm -hmm. laws. I assume there's plenty that do. Um, But it just feels weird that they'd be like, oh, yeah, construction workers in and out while we're talking about your health. Yeah, like, no big deal. Like, by the way, hey, guy with the hammer, while you're in here, you want to check out this guy's ear? It is wild. Well, I'm just thinking, like, even other situations, like, that could put some very vulnerable people in very vulnerable situations. Like, you've Mm -hmm. got the doctor. It could be a child in there. Or, you know, like, you're putting people in very vulnerable situations with someone that is not necessarily a doctor or a trusted doctor. Right. Coming into that room. They're just a construction worker. Yeah. And why, why is it that you have to come into the room? Like, why can't you just... The door's shut. Someone's in here. You can't just wait. Did you not see the red light? Red means stop. Yeah. The the door says occupied. So you just wait. Mm -hmm. This is an airport. I know you have those on the doors. It's 2014. Like, come on, guys. Yeah. So he, the doctor says he tried to calm Lars down, but it was like he'd seen a ghost. And Lars suddenly got up, ran from the room, and left everything behind his luggage his phone his wallet just booked it and cctv footage shows lars bolting through the airport and i'm going to show you this footage now i wonder if this construction guy was one of the men that supposedly attacked him 
Aha. See, you're, yeah, you're onto something there. Okay. That's what a lot of people uh, suspect. And it might not, maybe it's not even the same man, but maybe he showed a strong resemblance. Okay. You ready? No, hold on. Oh my God. Take forever. I'm fucking ready. Chill. (laughs) So this is him walking in. Pretty, pretty chill. Pretty normal. Going into the doctor. Just sprinting. When he gets outside, he kind of slows down to a jog. He's walking now. Mm-hmm. And this is him. Now, he's climbed this fence you see right there. Okay. And that is him disappearing. And it looked like he started running again after he climbed the fence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's he's not sprinting the whole time throughout the whole video. But he does... he. Definitely is out of that. He's out of the building. Oh, yeah. Like that that one woman, it kind of looked like she stopped. Like, oh, my God. I mean, I feel like if I see people sprinting in the airport, I'm like, let me move out your way, you know? Right? Like, hold on. Do I need to sprint, too? Part of it is also, like, in my mind, it's, are you late for something and you're just trying to get the hell out of here? Let me make, if mm-hmm. you let me to run and you're the only one. Yeah, you definitely see a couple of the people kind of look at him like, what the hell? Yeah. And once he gets outside, he kind of slows down. He's still not, like, walking. It's, it's almost like a like a awkward jog that yeah. turns into a power walk as he's walking through the uh, the parking lot. And this big fence right there he had climbed, which I'll get to later. And then that's the last time he's seen. Now, Sandra, she has admitted that she has seen more footage that has not been released to the public. And it paints a little bit of a different picture. She says that when he gets outside, she saw him kind of like pat his pockets like he was looking for a wallet or his cell phone. But he didn't have it. He left it back in the office. But he he just kept going. And she also said that in one of the videos, there were... Two cops, now it was unclear on whether it, how many cars it was or if there was a car, but there were two policemen standing there and Lars kind of dodged them. Like he was ducking behind stuff. He, it was like he was obviously trying not to attract attention from the police officers while he was making his way around them or past them. Could that she said be he why was, he was kind of power walking? Possibly. Because she did say he was like ducking behind things, finding cover. He eventually started running again northwest across the parking lot. Multiple people saw him climb that fence that I told you about. That is an eight foot tall fence with barbed wire at the top. Barbed wire. Damn, he was determined. Yes. After he climbed that fence, he ran into a sunflower field that was in full bloom. And he disappeared into this fit because this... Sunflowers are tall, guys. These sunflowers average uh, about six feet tall. So he just completely disappeared into this field. On the other side of the sunflower field was a major highway that led either back to Varna or to Romania, Serbia, and eventually Germany, depending on which, which route you were going. Now, his mom, she tried to call him. And when she couldn't get an answer, she immediately reporting him missing to the German embassy. They called the Varna police and they did go investigate. They searched the airport and the sunflowers field with search dogs and they found nothing. 
Police also suspected that Lars, I guess due to his kind of arguably erratic behavior, they thought he could have been a drug smuggler. So they searched his luggage. They found nothing. Completely clean. The 500 euros that his mom had sent him via Western Union was untouched. And Interpol eventually did get involved in the search, but still just nothing nothing was found. He pretty much just vanished into the sunflower field and was never seen again. Sandra's friends and family, they agreed to care for her husband, and she took her ass to Bulgaria because she's a mom. Can't find my kid. I'm headed to the last place he was seen. Exactly. And she did. She distributed flyers. She hung up posters. She visited hospitals and morgues looking for him. And she was quoted as saying, it's like the earth just swallowed him up. She did eventually have to go back home. Um, but together with Lars's friends, they had raised up money and... Sandra, her family, and Lars's friends, they hired a German private detective to try to track him down. And they they tried everything, like big or small leads. They searched them or researched them. They chased them down. They did run into a couple of problems. Uh, the media, they didn't really pick up this story. A, a couple of stories were ran, but it didn't turn into a really big deal. They even came across a couple of rural police stations that had no idea, never heard about Lars's disappearance. Police stations. That's a great look. Mm-hmm. Um, people suspect that the story didn't get a lot of attention because Bulgaria relies on tourism. And if this German tourist went missing, that would make the country seem unsafe. Um. Other sources stated that it wasn't uncommon in Bulgaria, at least at the time, I don't know about now, for a lot of people to not have TVs or smartphones. So that too made it difficult to get the word out about Lars's disappearance. However, like I said, this private detective, they did follow every lead through, no matter how big or how small, <clears throat> and they did find a couple of leads. Um, they found a family that had claimed to see a man fitting Lars's description in Varna in September, three months after Lars went missing. And when they were further questioned, they convinced investigators that this man was Lars Matank. So while they couldn't track him down, it at least gave them hope that he, he is alive and he's somewhere uh, there was another another man, a truck driver, came forward a year after Lars went missing. And he said that he had picked up a disheveled-looking man a couple of months earlier. And he also um, was, they're pretty sure that this was Lars. But unfortunately, by the time he had seen Lars's face on a missing poster, he couldn't remember where he had dropped him off at. So there were multiple leads like this, multiple people. Individual people have been tracked down in attempts to find Lars, but none of them ever led. I don't want to say they led. I wrote they never led to fruition. They did, but they just didn't lead to Mars or Lars. Excuse me. Okay. So I've got a question and obviously I don't think you have the answer for this. Perfect. But if he's still alive, 
why is he still in Bulgaria? Is it, I mean, if there's got to be an embassy or something he can go to to be like, look, I just need help getting home or like finding a way home. Because if he's just hanging out in Bulgaria, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. We don't know that he's still in Bulgaria. He could have been, he could have hitchhiked. Um, he could have tried to make his way home. Unfortunately, the main reason we don't know that is because we don't know why he went missing in the first place. Yeah, but if if the truck driver, that truck driver was in Bulgaria, right? It didn't say where he was. They He just saw uh, his face on a missing poster eventually and contacted police. I just, I guess I just wonder, like, is he trying to make it home or is he in hiding? Has he had some sort of a mental break and is just a lot of people actually suspect that he did have a mental break. Um, and I have some theories that I'm going to go through, but that, that feels the most logical. Yeah. Like I, I don't know. The whole thing's just so, so strange. Um, the reason I said earlier, like I wrote, they didn't lead to fruition, but I didn't want to say that I changed my mind, like literally now is because over 15 German nationals have been found living in remote places or just drifting throughout Europe. Thinking they were Lars and, um, the family kind of tracked them down or basically Sandra. Sandra led to these people being found. Mm -hmm. However, most of the people they found, they left on purpose. So they didn't want to go back for whatever reason uh, they left of their own choice. So they didn't want to go back to their families. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Like you can't make them go back. But at least their families might know they're alive. That might provide some kind of comfort. Yeah, it's still crazy that like they have found so many people and there there were some some examples but I know one person in particular I want to do a story on him so I'm not going to tell you about him but he was a Canadian national that was found in Brazil still alive he had hitchhiked all the way to Brazil and that's where he was from Canada yes damn yeah that's so a lot um of borders he's getting through. <laughs> yes. Um definitely going to do a story on him. Um but the theories people theorize that Lars left of his own volition. I say probably not because like his dad was sick, his mom and his dad both needed him. He had a steady girlfriend, he loved his job, he had a lot of friends. What like what reason do you but that's also hard if your dad is sick you're helping care for him the stress mm -hmm. that could cause like maybe he was feeling like he wasn't fulfilling the life that he wanted to live because he felt trapped with maybe having to help care and this is obviously mm -hmm. speculation yeah um, just because he's got like a long time girlfriend all these friends that's not necessarily a reason for someone to be like oh yeah I'm not gonna leave because they could very much be very unhappy. Like he might not have seen a future with his girlfriend. And maybe he's like, well, all my friends left me here. 
even though he's the one that persuaded them to go right um it is a perception thing so he could have been like you know what i don't even want to go back i don't want to go back to this life where i'm stuck caring for my dad and unhappy like yeah. you don't know that mm-hmm. i just feel like he was so devoted to his dad to make that drive to, well to his family it seems out it's- of character but it's hard to say that when I don't know his character. I don't know him at yeah. all. You don't know if he's has built up resentment for the situation or anything. Mm-hmm. People I don't I don't know about this next one. People also speculate that he could have been a drug mule. And they say that when he disappeared the night his friends were at McDonald's. He could have been kidnapped by either a Russian or a Bulgarian gang, forced to eat drugs, which is why police would not have found any in his luggage. Uh, This could be why he didn't want his friends staying behind with him, uh, why he didn't want to fly, and it could possibly explain his erratic behavior if the drugs had leaked. Yeah. Yeah, for however... If they had leaked into his system, it could explain him being paranoid, dodging the police, and why he ran from the doctor when a uniformed man came in, thinking it was some kind of police officer or security. That one just still feels a little far-fetched to me. Um, It was stated that he, he could have also potentially fell victim to human trafficking. Lars was healthy and young. He was a perfect candidate for organ organ harvesting and according to multiple sources bulgaria has one of the highest rates of human trafficking in europe i could argue if it's a tourist destination i mean that could also be why right um but the the last one and the one i kind of lean towards you touched on earlier is a psychotic breakdown people say that it could be induced by the cefzil 500 Long story, or I mean, sorry, it's a long shot based on the side effects because the side effects seemed pretty normal for an antibiotic, you know, headaches, diarrhea, that kind of stuff. But also, even though it's an antibiotic, you never know how your body's going to react to something, especially if he was taking these medicines and drinking and partying. I mean, that could exacerbate anything. Well, and I, I lean towards this because even small things like you mentioned at the beginning, he his friends noted he wasn't really eating much either. Like mm-hmm. that could be an indicator, like something's going on. And maybe, like you said, maybe he was just on a diet, but also I don't know of any diet plans that are like, don't eat enough food. Yeah. Like to, not any healthy ones, at least right. if you're trying to, to lose you, weight quickly. If you go to a professional, they're not going to be like, don't eat food. Exactly. Yeah. Like only eat tiny, only eat enough to live off of. It's not, not healthy, but there's, I mean, a bunch of uh, mental illnesses that do come with decreased appetites. Right. And that's kind of why I I lean towards that is because even, even though it might be a small detail, Mm -hmm. I, I think it at least is maybe an indicator of a mental break. Uh, well, people people think it could have been a schizophrenic episode. Other people say it's unlikely because he was kind of on the older end of the spectrum. I believe it was 15, or 16 
to 30 that men usually... Yeah, but he was 28. Yeah. That's why I say, like, it was... People argue... I, 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 I don't understand that part, because, like, you're, you're still in that age range. I will say I did question the, the schizophrenic mentality when he was saying he was being followed by four men. And mm-hmm. after a potential head injury, because obviously we know something happened with his eardrum. Yep. If he's got a potential head injury, what has, you know, that done in addition? Is he well, you're kind of just ticking him off here because that was another oh. one with the psychotic breakdown was that he did have a potential head injury. Like, yes, we know he damaged his eardrum, but how do we know there wasn't something else or something worse that happened that the doctors just didn't find because he was only complaining about his eardrum. Right. But it did say that um, no depression or mood changes were noticed by his friends and that he had no family history of mental illness. So it's like, it's like we have a lot of pieces that might fit into this puzzle, but not the ones we need that could potentially help. Like, how do you find somebody when you have no idea why they even went missing to begin with? Right. Right. Well, then, even his friends saying, well, he didn't seem depressed. Like, are they with him 24-7? You know, he's Mm -hmm. he's left on a two and a half hour drive to get to his parents' house every day. Or not every day, every weekend. Like, there's a lot of thinking. Exactly. There could be a lot of time for him to get lost in his head. Mm Mm-hmm. And he could just be really good at hiding it. Because when you think about it, a lot of people with depression, even severe depression, are really good at hiding it. Yeah. So for his friends to be like, oh, we didn't see anything, doesn't mean it wasn't. Yeah, it doesn't mean it wasn't there. And also the family history, it could be the same thing. Family history, someone could have hidden it really well. Or you don't necessarily have to have a family history to have something yeah you know or it also makes me wonder like it wasn't too long ago that i mean hell like now we're still fighting this stigma that goes along with mental illness so Mm -hmm. it makes me wonder like okay you say he doesn't have a family history of it does he just not have a family history of acknowledging it right which that okay to be fair that is like i don't know if that's an american thing well, I know it's an American thing that the stigma with mental illness, I don't know if that might be a German thing, but I'm just here speculating. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Could still be a stigma in other countries or mm. maybe less. I don't know. But I just feel like there's a lot of different could be's with this. But then again, with all of the disappearances. Yeah. Could be. Or what if, you know. I think the the thing that leads to his being so strange is that the CCTV footage. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the Annie Bjornsson. Uh, oh my God. You just did her. Bjorn- you just. If I could see the name, I might be able to say it. Uh, I think it was Boryason. Boryason. Oh. Annie Boryason. Because oh. she... I was thinking, like, man, her and airport stories right now with people running out. Yeah, sorry. But, yeah, that's, that's insane. Lars's family is still actively looking for him. They do have a Facebook page. Uh, 
It is Findet Lars Metonk. It's just German for find Lars Metonk. Today, he would be in his late 30s. He's roughly six foot tall. He's about 187 pounds. Could be less if he's on this diet or if he's drifting through towns. Uh, we'll post a picture of how you can contact authorities if you suspect that you see him. And just a reminder, they're still, as far as I could find, they're still tracking down every lead they can. So if you see something you think holds water, by all means, report it. If you don't see anything, don't report it. I can't believe I have to say that. Like, but don't be one of those people that just calls in bullshit. Like, what the hell is wrong with you to be one of those people? Sorry. I, I no, went gosh. on. On a little rant there, but yeah, don't call in fake bullshit. What's wrong with you people? I could not tell you. But that is the very unfortunate, frustrating story of Lars Matank. All right. Well, um, don't love it. Sorry about it. Uh, I have a story that I do think you'll love. Okay, I'm ready. Um, also, before I get into it, I've got to tell you the quick story about how my mother, um, the hostel. Yes. So my grandpa, he's kind of one of those people. He's almost a drifter. Like he just kind of goes where the wind blows in, but he has like, he has his home. He keeps in touch with everyone. So, okay. you know, he's also retired. Like he can go do whatever he wants. Yeah. Um, this might've been before he was retired. I don't really remember the timeline. I just know that, he calls my mom and he will ask her like, Hey, can you book a hotel in this area for whatever days? Like sometimes it's same day. Sometimes it's weeks and months out. Like it just depends. So okay. my mom, my mom books him a hotel, not thinking about it, had decent reviews, was really cheap. Um, and I think there were only like a couple hotels in the area. So she was like, sure, sure. So she had ended up the day he was supposed to check in. She had either ended up looking at the listing or calling and something was said about, oh, yeah, he's the only one in the room. And my mom had to be like, wait, what? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, he's the only one booked for that room. <laughs> and that's how she found out she booked him for a hostel. Oops. <laughs> and so um, to my understanding, she did not tell him until he called her. <laughs> uh huh. Oh, and he was like, there's a lot of beds here. I don't think anyone else stayed in the room with him. I think it was just him. Uh, but yeah, my mother has learned since that she has to very much uh, read the description. Or else my grandpa might be booked in a hostel. <laughs> Which I feel like is very normal overseas. But in America, hostels are not normal. They're not. Hostels you, are not normal at all. You'll see them. Like, you can book them. But it's not that. Yeah. Like, not in America. At least go to a Motel 8. Come on. Yeah, we don't want to share rooms with people. What? We don't want to talk to people. That's too much effort. Yeah, no. Okay, well, I have a story, and I did allude to it last episode, I think. Um, and I, I kept my end of the bargain this time. I, It's kind of an unintentional part three. So basically what happened is before we started doing episode 100 and 101, uh, I had already found the story. I had already started taking some notes on it. And then later, Amanda's like, oh, by the way, I'm covering Area 51. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to cover a conspiracy theory. So I had to be like, are you doing this one? And she was like, no, 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 no. Anyways, so this is kind of an unintentional part three to Area 51. 
but it's like a very specific conspiracy theory. And this is specifically Project Abigail or the Abigail Project. I'm really excited because when you talk, I just didn't have time. Like if I would have included conspiracy theories, it would have been 74,000 episodes. Yes. And when you mentioned this one and just sent me one specific picture, (laughs) I was like, oh, hell yeah. So I'm ready. So the Abigail Project, some believe that this project may have actually led to the reason that Area 51 is so heavily guarded. Story is reportedly leaked by a former sanitation staff member from Area 51. They claimed that living with the burden of this knowledge was just too much for them, and they would finally come out and tell the world about Abigail Wester. Now, you will hear her name as Abigail Wester and Abigail Western. I'm not mm-hmm. sure which one's correct, so I'm going to be saying Wester since that's what I put on everything. After World War II, Albert Wester was working on a team of researchers on some top secret biological studies. Most resources cite that this is starting sometime between 1945 and 1948. Now, during this time, somehow America obtained some scientific documents that were related to creating a superhuman. And so that's what Albert Wester's primary focus with his research team was. These experiments were taking place on what we know as Area 51. At the time, it was reportedly known as Indian Springs Air Force Auxiliary Camp. And at the time, the location was believed to house very advanced weapons, alien technology, (laughs) guys. Um, And it was also becoming an area for a lot of biological experiments because of aliens. Um, (laughs) Allegedly. Allegedly, yes. So, of course, Area 51, or the hoo-ha auxiliary, whatever, it's the perfect place. I'm sorry. Hold on. Back up. Back up. Did you just say the hoo-ha auxiliary and then just try to skirt right on past it? Like I wasn't going to comment on that? What? Okay. I just want, I just, you know what a hoo-ha is, right? That's fine. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm just making sure um, we're on the same I, page here. I can't remember what it's called. Okay. The whatchamacallit. It's called a vagina, man. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> oh. I'm talking about the name of the Indian Springs Air Force Auxiliary Camp. I didn't want to go back through my notes, okay. even though it was only a couple bullets away. So, Ooh, okay. Well, hoo ha, auxiliary. Here we are. <laughs> okay. Anyways, so it's the perfect place to do these experiments to create a superhuman, right? And these are very complex. These are experiments where they are studying human anatomy. And we just talked about how the human body is freaking crazy with out of control. Yeah. Yeah. So again, more, more specifically, they're trying to create a super soldier. Some called it like a Captain America, but you know, they're trying to create a super soldier, someone that's super strong, does not feel the effects of pain their wounds heal faster they had higher endurance wouldn't need as much food and water or at least could go longer without food and water they're fearless they can withstand harsh environmental or other harsh conditions but they're still loyal to a country or what some called their creators uh-huh and what year was this after world war ii so 40s oh okay so okay. we're trying to do this with even less knowledge of the human anatomy. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, they reportedly go through their preliminary, 
preliminary tests, testing on live animal subjects, giving them injections, chemicals, medications, whatever else they believed would make them a super bunny or whatever they're calling it. I don't know. But they finally get to a point where they're like, we need a volunteer, human volunteer. And this is like so top secret. Albert West Wester thought, hmm, I know just the person to volunteer to do this. Uh, and, but the, hold on, where did it go? Yeah. So now we left volunteer and we're involuntold. We're involunteering, yes. Okay. Um, so he's like, I know the perfect person to volunteer to do this. He would actually recruit his own daughter, Abigail Wester, as the test subject. What a dick. Now, before you go talking about how cruel he is, I'm not arguing. I think he is a dick. <laughs> but there might have been reasoning for choosing his daughter. It might have been very strategic because he can't just do a rando from the streets. Lack of loyalty, lack of trust, right? Like he doesn't know them. They don't know him. They're not going to trust one another. Can't do it. I would they not also- trust my father. <laughs> if he thrust <laughs> me into this, into this hoo-ha auxiliary <laughs> situation. <laughs> I can and tell you right now that trust is dead. Well, it, I mean, you don't, I, I don't know. Anyways, they also <laughs> had talked about doing like a prisoner, a criminal of some sort, but that's also not okay because there's issues with that one. First of all, control of the criminal with that much power and, and they don't have a good moral compass at that point. And also no one on the research team was like volunteering either. Oh, so, gee. couldn't imagine why not. Well, I wonder why. I, I assume... What did his wife feel about this? Never said like, anything about his wife. Honey, it's, it's take my daughter to work day. So I'm going to be taking her to work well, every day for the next. She's an adult. Knows. So she is an adult. Oh, okay. So. Still not great. But I was when okay. you said daughter, I was thinking she was like 12. Yeah, no, she's not. She is an adult. So he wanted someone that he could trust. They were well educated. They had a very sound moral compass tip-top physical shape, and someone that he thought that would trust him unconditionally. And that was his daughter. Now, Abigail, she was a young woman. She was very smart. Reports state that she was actually working on a project in her university about Area 51. And she also, like I said, she's conveniently Albert's daughter, who she, of course, trusted her father. And she often assisted her father in some of his research. So she's she's a smart girl. And she's gorgeous, too. She is. She's very pretty. So when her father came to her and asked her, like, hey, you want to be the first human test subject? She agrees. Um, I did include a picture of Abigail, of who Abigail is believed to have been. She's super young, very beautiful, full of life. She's gorgeous. Now She the, has that old Hollywood look. Yes, and we'll actually talk about that later. Um, now, the experiments, or they always call them studies or were referred to as studies. I'm calling them experiments because let's get real, they are experiments. Mm. But they they would begin. The research team, they start and they begin injecting Abigail with different chemicals, substances, performing surgeries, giving her different implants, different hormonal treatments. They would essentially mutilate her, drug her, and expose her to torture. What? what uh... Okay, hold on. Wait, back up. Was there any rhyme or reason to this? I mean, surely there had to be something. I assume there was. I'm not a researcher from Area 51. And we're getting this story from one of the sanitation staff. So I don't know how much he understood. Mm -hmm. 
Because the way you worded that, they were just like, oh, put this liquid in her veins. See what that does. I assume that's what they did. If we're going to be honest. Now, they almost immediately begin to see changes. She would begin a new growth spurt and she would get taller, reaching last known or estimated height was of three meters. For those of us that are in America, that's over nine and a half feet tall. The Google conversion specifically said 9.84252, and that's just super tall. They actually had other reports that said she was between 10 to 14 feet tall. Shut the front door. Where where are you hiding this? Well, we'll talk about it. Would you just breathe? We'll get there. I'm trying, but I'm scared to. Okay. Abigail's once young, youthful, smooth skin began to wrinkle. Most described it as wrinkling like that of a beast. And I just kind of thought that was rude. Especially since wow. they're injecting her with this stuff. Yeah. Rude. Her I'm teeth. telling you, that trust is gone. With that, right. When that first wrinkle showed up, she's like, Dad, what the shit is this? Yeah. Do you see this? I'm fucking 10 feet tall and I'm wrinkly <laughs> now. What the hell, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> trust is gone. Um, her teeth would also begin to just grow out of control. They were described as growing at an accelerated and excessive rate. Her jaw would also begin to expand in size, possibly to ac- accommodate her jumbo teeth. Or maybe this was because, in general, her bones were also just growing. Her bones were becoming enlarged. Okay, uh, just the you immediately made me not. You know, I hate teeth, Bryce. And the way you just said jumbo teeth is just so. <clears throat> I don't her, leave like her it. jumbo teeth alone. Can you she, not say what she, is? <laughs> she didn't ask for the jumbo teeth. Okay, uh, she agreed to the jumbo teeth, though. That is reportedly the case, not necessarily the confirmed case. Oh, I really am kind of nauseous. Okay, well, let's oh. go ahead and just talk about how next she also loses all of her hair. Oh. She was eating significant amounts of food, something like an ordinary person would not consume in a day, large feast. Well, uh, she's fact, nine feet tall. Of course she is. Possibly taller. The food personnel at Area 51 would actually claim that they would take large quantity of food. Like they were ordered to take very large quantities of food to a cage. They just didn't know what was held in this cage. It was like a steel door with a little slit at the bottom. They just slid food in. I bet that took forever. Large quantities of food through a slit in a steel door. She's nine feet tall. What? Where the hell is she going? Just imagine putting 20 pounds of mashed potatoes through a small slot in a steel door. Like how? They better be paid by the hour. They're going to miss Janet. I think they're fine. Okay. There's probably multiple of them just sliding it in. And as, as quickly With as a they... shovel? <laughs> That's the hand motion you did was just shoveling food. I was doing like, you know, a tray, just sliding it in. Oh, like an assembly line type? Yeah. It looked like a shovel, like they're just shoveling food into this room. (laughs) I'm sure that's what they felt like. And I bet as soon as it got into the room, there were empty trays flying back out at them too. (laughs) Um, She did become stronger. So I guess check that off the list for the experiment. That was a success. It was said that she was stronger than multiple grown-ass men. Like, oh, she's strong. And 
Unfortunately, throughout this, she would also begin losing all of her humanity to get altogether. Uh-oh. She had no sense of reasoning. She had no control over her impulses. Her intrusive thoughts were winning. Um, and just overall, she was described as more animalistic. Well, I mean, God knows what you're doing to this poor woman's brain. Look at what you did to her body and her hair and her, ugh, her teeth. Right. And because of her demeanor change, that would mean that for the safety of the research team, they did have to cage her. So that's why food personnel is shoving it through a slot in the door. They're like, just take it. We're leaving. And this was all after just a couple of months. Good God. That they, at least that they started seeing these changes. The experiment would go on for two years. Okay. I have a problem with this from me, a not scientist, from a scientific standpoint, because in the sixth grade, when I was forced to compete in the science fair, I had to do this super long experiment. I don't even remember what I did it on, but I remember my brothers and he had to play music to three different plants for like a certain amount of time and see which one grew, you know, the most. Um, if all of this happened in a couple months, where is your where is your scientific process here? Well, we'll talk about why it's possible they continued. There's a couple different reasons they may have continued. And I think that's like within just a couple bullets. But did they just throw variables out the window? I have no idea. Okay. I'm sorry. I have a lot of questions. I just don't. Okay. Uh, let's remember this is coming from sanitation staff. So they might not have been, no, like, they're like, I don't know anything about the scientific process. This is just what I know about this in general. I just know I had, first I had to clean the toilet of a five foot something lady. And now I'm cleaning the toilet of an at least nine foot tall lady. And that's a big difference in a couple months. <laughs> well. I have to take all of these food trays back to the cafeteria. For two years. Because, like I said, it did go on for two years. And this would go on to be considered the most extreme human experiment ever conducted. Oh. So, during the process of seeing Abigail change, the research team would begin to try and stop the experiment. They were urging the lead researcher just to stop. And they would have the intended goal, like, hey, let's stop and return, return Abigail to her former state. But the lead researcher was a little bit too stubborn for their own good. Any guesses who the lead researcher was? Was it her freaking father? What it was a her dick. Well, hold on. It was her father, Albert Wester. There was also another complication with ending the experiment. And that issue was that Abigail had now become dependent on multiple of the daily substances. So it's possible that with her having a dependency, Albert Wester didn't want to end the project in fear that it would now kill his daughter. Mm, I feel like it could also potentially kill his career. And he might have had a bigger problem with that. I just don't think highly of Alfred. Well, his Alfred? name is Albert. Albert? I, I don't care. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I mean, like Albert, Alfred, whatever. He sucks. Whatever it is. Yeah. Um. Well... We'll talk about him a little bit more in a second. Now, a lot of reports of the food service and sanitation personnel, they would claim to see Albert Wester in front of the steel door crying or even speaking to whatever was contained within the steel door. 
they never knew necessarily what was behind the door, but they did see him often out there doing his thing. And there's just no improvement for Abigail. She had lost all of her humanity, basically becoming a monster. She was disfigured, kept in a cage, considered a threat. She was dependent on the research team and their substances and technology to survive. And I mean, at this point, staff has probably all heard the rumor about a monster in the facility, but they may not know exact details. And I mean, you have cooks and the server food just shoving it through an opening at the foot of the door. Cleaners probably were like, I'm not going down there. Nose goes today. Mm -hmm. They're not going in the cage with her, but they are going in the area. And after two years, the Abigail Project would officially fail. As Albert Wester watched his daughter turn into quite literally a monster that he turned her into, he, he was so consumed by the guilt of what he had done to Abigail, he would go on to commit suicide. In a letter that he left, he asked the research team to at least try and restore his daughter's humanity and or and or at the very least to not kill her and just show her some mercy. He didn't want her to die and he did want her return to her original state. Not that I think that would happen at this point, but he he did feel very remorseful about his actions. The letter was very much geared towards his guilt about what he had done to Abigail. I have a problem with this, too, because he did this to her. And then he, I understand, you know, he feels like shit because look at what you did to your daughter. Um, But then you just abandon her and beg the other people who are not in control of this situation. Well, I should say not, uh, what, not the lead researcher in this situation who try to turn her back. It's possible that he was trying to turn her back. It's possible and he was failing. So it, he could feel a lot of remorse that he he was failing his daughter, even at returning her some semblance of her humanity. And that just was so overwhelming. And he was like, I can't take it anymore. So I, I don't know. That's all we know about his his death. I don't like him. Now, the U.S. Army... They, unfortunately, were like, okay, cool, thanks, Albert. What, like, this project is a failure at this point. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we're ending the project. And we're not going to spend any more money on it, which means she's not getting restored to her former glory. And they kind of, they're like, well, we'll, we'll respect some of your wishes and we won't kill her. We'll just starve her. <laughs> How that's any different, I don't know. That's way, way worse. Yeah, so we'll just we'll keep her in containment and let her just starve to death. No big deal. Like, we didn't kill her. Her hunger killed her. Like, sorry. Not how that works, guys. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> so that's, that's what they decide to do. So basically, in their eyes, in a way, they're honoring his wishes by not directly killing her. But this also feels like a big old F. Like a loogie. Yeah, this feels like a loogie <laughs> on his grave. Right, they're like, F you, and they're like, we're just going to starve her. It doesn't matter. And so they do. They end any food for Abigail, as well as any medical care. So the research team was no longer allowed to give her any of these substances she had been receiving or care for her in any way at all. So she's starving, and she is in God knows what kind of, um, oh my gosh, What's the word? Mental state withdrawal. 
yeah, like a withdrawal or a relapse or not relapse, but yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think know. of the word. Yeah. So we don't know what her body's necessarily reaction is at this point. But what I can tell you is this did not go over well. Shocking. On the very first night that food was withheld from her, many claimed to hear her howls throughout Area 51, loud scratches, and an alarm would go off on base. Oh, that's great. The head of the base would go check the situation. They would find zero guards by Abigail's area. The door was locked, locked down, but Abigail wasn't there. She had most definitely escaped. Um, how? And eventually the bodies of the guards would be later discovered. Oh. No one knows quite how she escaped. So, basically, on the very first night, Abigail was like, fuck this shit, I'm out, bitches. And <laughs> literally, she was like, you're, you're not going to feed me? Watch this. Magic trick. <laughs> We're going to Houdini this shit. So, of course, the the head honchos are like, oh, this isn't good. So they they do a search and capture operation immediately, which would fail. Really? You mean to tell me they they could not search and or capture a super soldier? Well, if they did, reports state if they did encounter Abigail, the weaponry that the search and capture team had had no effect on Abigail. Bullet didn't harm her. The explosives just kind of warmed her toes. She was fine. She had no reaction. I'm sorry. Right. You said kind of warm their toes. It's just like, get their grenade. And she's like, oh, lovely, a space heater. Thank you so much. I was cold in my cage. I don't have any hair. So at least you guys could have done was bring me a sweater. God. <laughs> So basically, nothing's working, right? And they're like, oh, what do we do? Now, in some reports, they claim that Abigail was not captured, and instead she roams the area surrounding Area 51, haunting the current employees and causing an increased need for security. And it's possible that's why they have such crazy protocols. They're flying in, you know, top secret. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're still trying to capture. Ooh. Now, other reports state that Abigail would actually be surrounded in an underground area of the base. So they get her surrounded. And since nothing was working to kill her, they would instead decide just to trap her in the underground area, thinking, okay, well, she'll starve eventually. Oh, my God. Let the starve <laughs> thing go. So they sealed her in this area under layers of steel and concrete, permanently trapping her under the base. Since then, it's re been reported in 70 years since the capture of Abigail, some of the Area 51 employees claim to still hear scratches and grunts coming from the floor in certain areas where it's believed that Abigail is contained. Ooh. And this would be 70 years without food or water, and she would have still survived. Out of, she would have just survived on pure spite and anger. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> now, the fear is that if anyone encounters Abigail, it's not going to end well. I mean, we already know she's she's basically yes. invincible. And if she escapes or is already roaming around, they don't actually know how to stop her. 
they don't know what weapons will stop her, will even cause her harm, because it's like she's like mosquito bite with this bullet. Boom, <laughs> bam, done. Like, it's just not phasing her. She's like, God, these gnats are horrible today. God, it's just every 30 seconds. Awful. <laughs> so this is one of many conspiracy theories of Area 51. But I hate to break it to you all. For the most part, the origin of this story is going back to creepy pasta. Oh no. So this is considered a creepy pasta story, much like the one Amanda did on the Russian sleep experiment. So the likelihood this is true is like very slim to none, right? <laughs> However, there is another experiment that the writer might have based this off of. Um, I didn't actually go in and do a lot of research on that. That was an experiment like in the 70s. Um, but it wasn't as intense as this. So the picture of Abigail that I did include, those are actually believed to be a woman named Sunny Harnett. Sunny was an American model, actress, and casting director. So if you Google Sunny Harnett, that picture that comes up in association with Abigail is also one of the top results for Sunny Harnett. Oh. And I did include a couple other pictures of Sunny, just because when you look at the other pictures I included, like, yeah, that's that's Sunny. Yeah. So Definitely just a random picture pulled. And let me just tell you, Sunny's gorgeous. If you guys haven't seen her, she is so pretty. But she... that, her and her pearls. And I think she died in the 70s. So she she does have that like old Hollywood glam that you said earlier. And that is the the story of, or the theory conspiracy of Project Abigail. So what if this is, Actually, what if just what if everything on Creepypasta is real? So, what if this is actually a real story, but it's these people's way of posting it and getting it off of their consciousness, like getting it out into the world and people just don't believe it? I mean, it, it very well could be. We don't know. Which then sucks because now I'm questioning is Abigail <laughs> roaming around Area 51, still like attacking them on occasion? Mm -hmm. Or is she sealed underground, you dickheads? In 70 years, she's got to have dug out. You would think. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like she would have had, she busted through her steel door. What's steel and concrete going to do to stop her? Yeah. What's a couple layers? Like, that's just a couple more minutes. Right. And if you can hear her howling in the walls, like, she just has an audio tape that she presses play as she goes out for the night. Mm-hmm. She puts the pillows under her bed to make it look like she's asleep. Uh-huh. But in all reality, yeah, she's at, she's necking. She's at, at Slenderman's house. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, whatever. And I did also include two of the more common pictures that come up when you look up this case. One of them is actually the common picture you see in the um, Russian sleep experiment. So we've posted that one before. I noticed that one. The other one, we did add some decency, and her her um, <laughs> areolas are blurred out. There's little sensor bars across them. But that one is probably the most horrifying image I've ever seen. It's so unsettling. And what's even, I don't know if you noticed this, it's like she's got a hand on someone's freaking head. I was wondering what was blurred out. I thought she was just flipping the bird. <laughs> That's someone's because you can see their neck. 
Yeah. Oh, she's got a whole. Oh, and you can see their hand on her hand. On her arm, yeah. <laughs> so, Hate where it. that image is from, I don't know, but that is creepy as hell. Uh huh. There you have it. That is our conspiracy theory for tonight about Area 51 and the Abigail Project. I'm especially glad you covered this with these specific pictures when I am going to bed in probably 14 minutes. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I'm glad you appreciate it. I did it intentionally. I like this story a lot, though. It's because it just got you so mad about her dad, who is a fictional character. He still sucks. Least favorite fictional character ever. <laughs> I disagree. Ever. Dolores Umbridge is still worse. Mm, I think they'd make a pretty good couple. No, because at least he liked his daughter for some amount of time. She just hates everyone. I don't think he did. I think he did. If he, she was going to university, like he had to have had something that he liked about her. And he was allowing her to do research with him. Allowing her? Allowing she was helping. Her. She, no, no, no. Before, before she was voluntold. Or she maybe would help him with research projects. Maybe he was just forcing her into all this. And then he literally forced her into it. Maybe he just thought, I'm going to have my daughter be the world's first super soldier. She's going to be the most incredible thing there ever is. And this poor woman, poor Abigail, just wanted to make her dad proud. I'm just saying, I think that there was probably some love for her there. Whereas Dolores Umbridge doesn't have love for anyone but herself. I can't argue with that. And cats. That should have been your first red flag. <laughs> Anyways, thank you all for listening to Helen Hills Podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram, Helen Hills Podcast, X, formerly Twitter, Helen Hills Pod, or Facebook by searching Helen Hills Podcast. You can find us on Linktree by typing in Helen Hills Podcast. If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create more content for you, you can donate through Patreon where we're working to release specials for our patrons. If you have your own true crime or paranormal story suggestions or words of encouragement, please email us at Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends to listen with you as well. Bye. Bye.